0: Hey, welcome. This is On Mike with Jordan Rich, my weekly podcast, where we talk with creative people from the arts, actors, musicians, writers, voiceover actors, broadcasters. We get together and discuss what it is we're all about. Today, my guest is Anson Williams, a.k.a. Potsy, one of the stars of Happy Days, of course. But his career is much more than just that. He's been a TV director for years. In addition to directing episodes of Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager, he's done Sabrina, The Teenage Witch, Charmed, Baywatch, Beverly Hills 90210, and Melrose place among others and he was a mainstay on the secret life of the american teenager sitting in the director's chair there for five years anson's also a very successful businessman he co-owns Starmaker cosmetics and physicians prefer specializing in drug-free solutions to debilitating problems In our podcast today, we'll talk about one such problem and a product that Anson is very excited about. It's designed to keep drivers alert while behind the wheel. The problem, of course, is driver fatigue and accidents behind the wheel because people are so tired, and Anson is addressing that problem. And now my conversation with an actor who portrayed this iconic TV character way back when and is very much making a difference today. What a pleasure to welcome Anson Williams to my podcast, and uh, as I said to you off-air, regards from one of your co-stars, Marion Ross.
1: Oh, my God, my second mother, you know. (laughs) You know, it's funny, though. We're we're very close. She she only lives about 30 minutes away. Same with Donnie Most, who played Ralph on Happy Days. He's about 20 minutes away. So just coincidentally, you know, we've, we've not only stayed friends for over 40 years, we've lived close to each other.
0: I had such a great conversation with her. She just just epitomizes everybody's mom and grandma and she's a sweet sweet lady well i'm thrilled to chat with you and uh, to start you're on a campaign that really matters to so many people who uh, who are out there driving and are tired when they're driving it's a big issue and why don't we just jump right in and talk about the difficulty and and the issue that people have with driving while tired it's a big issue
1: it's a huge issue uh everyone out there please listen and i want to thank you for uh for bringing this up so we can get the word out because it's not it's catastrophic it is up there with guns drunk driving medicated driving and factually i don't know if people realize more deaths more people hurt more accidents every year than drunk driving mm-hmm. and medicated driving combined in 2012 the national sleep foundation did a study and 168 million drowsy drivers a year back then, there's more now 168 million, one out of five admitted to falling asleep. So they know it's more over one out of five accidents. Again, more fatalities than drunk driving and medicated driving combined. Mm. It is tearing families apart. Fathers aren't coming home. Mothers aren't coming home. And it's mostly innocent people that get hit by a drowsy driver. And, I, and what really got me even more interested in this is because years before that, I had almost killed myself falling asleep at the wheel. I was directing uh, a show by the, called Slap Maxwell um, outside of L.A. in the local desert we have here. It was a hot day. I was exhausted. And I blacked out driving home from exhaustion. Ended up bouncing around in the desert, almost mm. killed myself. Mm. My second cousin, who I've called uncle my whole life, is Dr. Henry Heimlich, who created the Heimlich Maneuver. And, in fact, together we got it on national television for the first time in the 70s. But very, very close to me, very influential in my life. I told him what happened, and he said, well, just to backtrack, Dr. Heimlich is an, is an, was, he passed away a year ago last December, but he was an expert in sensory connection of body. He understood how the body helped the body, and he told me to cut up lemons, keep them with me when I would have exhausted days, when I got tired, bite into them hard. He said the citric acid with a sour lemon would hit the lingual nerve on top of the tongue, yeah. and the automatic reflex, just a reflex reaction of the body's adrenaline. Boop, you're up, you're alert, nothing in your system, the body waking the body. So I did that for years and never had the problem again. And through those years, I went into the, problems, into the product business creating problem-solving products that never existed before. I loved it. (laughs) That's when we started researching drowsy driving a few years ago and just found out all the facts we just talked about, how catastrophic it is. So I had an idea, and I called up Dr. Heinlein, and I said, hey, what if we took the right amount of citric acid, the right amount of sour lemon, water, put it in a little spray drop, and what if if you just sprayed it on top of the tongue and hit the lingual nerve? He said, oh, my gosh. He said, that would be more powerful than lemon even more instant, um, you will save more lives in the Heimlich Maneuver. Absolutely do it. So we created this all-natural, you know, God-given product, uh, a super-powered lemon called Alert Drops. Mm-hmm. And already in the last five months, we've saved so many lives, stopped so many tragedies. Um, the California State Senate is on us. The U.S. Congress is honored us. City of LA has honored us, but I, I don't care about that. They're honoring us because of Dr. Heimlich and his brilliant and it works.
0: Website is what it is, alertdrops.com. And I, I guess before we go any further, is this product rolling out and available uh, on store shelves nationwide yet or will it be?
1: It will be. Right now, uh, we're selling it on Amazon. And, you know, when you get to the retail market, mass market and all that, you know, that's very that's a whole other animal. It's very political and people own shelf space and all that kind of stuff. So you need to build up your popularity, so they have to put it on the show. And we're just about there. Uh, we're going out now to uh, start talking to buyers to get it into the mass market. Uh, into the mass mm-hmm. market. But the timing's got to be right. Otherwise, it could be buried behind the counter. You won't get the right, right. Shelf thing and all that. So you need to you need to you need to already be out there and. and uh, a
0: little bit known. Yeah, I want to just relay a personal experience. Uh, and I used to do the late overnight show on CBS radio in Boston for years. And there were times when I particularly when I would arrive in my own neighborhood in the suburbs, when I would just let my guard down and literally start to see things that weren't there. That's how tired you can get. And and you, yes. you point out very aptly, Anson, that uh, the myths are, oh, roll down the windows, turn the music up, Drink lots of coffee. These are all, you know, alleged stopgap measures that really don't work, ultimately, do they?
1: They're, no, they're missed. If it worked, there would wouldn't would be more deaths every year and more accidents. Um, caffeine, everyone says, why I drink coffee. Well, one, it takes 20 minutes to take effect. Two, you need too much of it. So basically, it screws up your whole sleep pattern, and you, and you get on a merry ground of exhaustion. It does not work. Mm-hmm. The radio doesn't work. The air doesn't work. You, you know, this kind of exhaustion goes goes past that. How many times have you been driving? It's called microsleeping. Yeah. Your eyes are open. But how many times are you driving and you don't remember how you got there?
0: It's true. Right. It's, it's almost like you're hip, hypnotized on the road. Your eyes are yeah. open and you're quote-unquote conscious, but you don't even know where you are and how you got there. It's true. No. And by the way, you've been very vocal about the issues in Hollywood with Crews working late and oh, yeah. issues with—I mean, overtime. That—I mean, they go, they shoot all night. You've been in the business a long time, and that's mm-hmm. a real danger to people that uh, you're trying to wake people up about.
1: Well, it's 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 bad because it is exhausting. It's and they don't have um, they don't have um, you know safety is not even in their conscience at the studios, and it's it's wrong. And a lot of times, crews are threatened. Uh, don't say anything, or you know, basically your job's going away. So they're working just you know, horror hours, exhausted, and then driving home where they could eat. Where easily they could set up a situation where um, they can prevent that. They can get new teamsters in to drive them home, whatever. There's ways you can organize to to uh, yeah. make sure people are sa- make sure people are safe. Yeah, I'm very vocal about it because people, so many people have been injured and died. Uh, unnecessarily mm. just because of exhaustion because the industry was pretty cold and
0: callous we're talking with anson williams and again alertdrops.com is the product that is getting rave reviews from medical boards and from people who've been using it and I, when i learned about the lemon uh solution that your late uncle late cousin mentioned i thought wow that's something i never tried and it makes all the sense in the world
1: yeah it's- I you know I would have never known this is a nerve on the tongue that has response reaction adrenaline. Who would have known? He knew. <laughs> he knew. Of and by the way, it's very old. I look at it, it's very old science. You know, I mean, all that, MIT had done studies on it. All these other researchers have done studies on it. I mean, if you go to alertjosh.com, dot com, you'll see some of the studies. It's nothing new. All we've done is created, put it in, into a civilized distribution so it's easy to use. Mm. It's nothing new. It's very very old science. But Dr. Heinrich, you know, he's, he was knowledgeable. He understands how the body works. He understood the sensory connection, the tongue and brain. It's just like going to the doctor's office. That little a little rub the mallet right. to test your reflexes. Right, right. Same thing. Same, it's that same reflex reaction.
0: I'm going to get really geeky with you for a second and suggest that <laughs> you and Hetty Lamar have something in common. Oh, right. Because she invented stuff during World War II to help us win the war. I'm <laughs> just saying. She act did. No, Yeah. Did. So, he has a patent
1: on 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 a, a re- electrical, some kind of electronic device.
0: Right, some kind of radar yeah. enhancement. I'm just yeah. saying that because here you are, an actor and director, uh, doing more for the world than just providing entertainment. So I just wanted to give you a little tip of the hat for that. <laughs> oh,
1: thanks. thank you so much. Well, I actually I give the credit to Dr. Heinrich, yeah. but, uh but thank you
0: for that. Talk a little showbiz uh, with you, if it's okay. Uh, the Patsy Weber role, obviously iconic and all that, but uh, your career has really been behind the camera, and I always love to ask actors who become directors uh, if they prefer that to being in front. What's been your take?
1: Well, like Gary Marshall said, uh, when, he, when we first started Happy Days, you know, he, was, he used the show like a college. He wanted us as young people to learn much more about the business than just acting. And he said, uh, you know, you all need to wear, you know, many different hats, you know, if you want to direct, if you want to write. And he looked at me, especially you, Anson, because he saw my acting ability. He said, I better wear other hats. <laughs> so, uh, so, but honestly, from the beginning, I knew acting would be uh, short lived for me. You know, I, I mean, I had, you know, a little bit of a gift for comedy, but long term, it wasn't there. But I always felt, you know, much more comfortable behind the camera. I, I didn't feel limitations. So because of Gary, he gave, he gave me the opportunity to shadow some of the greatest directors in the world. Mm. I mean, Polanski doing Chinatown, uh, John Schlesinger doing David of the Locust. I would follow these directors around when I wasn't on the set. I just had the most marvelous education. And uh, that was because of Gary. So early on, I decided to get behind the camera. In fact, in 1980, during Happy Days, the first film I created called Skyward, uh, it was bought by NBC, starring Betty Davis, Ron Howard. exec produced me and directed it, and that was my first official, you know, entree into behind the scenes that actually got filmed. So, starting in 1980, and then in 1985, I started uh, once once the show ended in '84 and '85, I started. Uh, I started directing TV.
0: Well, the careers that were launched not I shouldn't say launched because Tom Bosley and Marion Ross were already somewhat established, but the your career and Ron Howards and of course Henry Winkler, all of you guys are working uh, still and and producing and directing and in Henry's case writing books. I mean, did a really yeah. nice ride for the, the lot of you.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, well again we credit Gary we credit Gary Marshall with that because we didn't get invo- we didn't get in the way of ourselves. We took the opportunity to educate ourselves. You know, and uh, and because of that, we had the tools to survive. You know, we had options, and uh, and we didn't let ego interfere with practicality of of, of, of a long term career. Mm. And again, that that was really really influenced by Gary.
0: So when you're directing a crew and, and a young actors, are you trying to impart that same sense of responsibility and understanding of the business? Because some of that seems to be lost on some people today. I'm not sure how you do it.
1: Oh, I, I, you know, the last show I directed consistently, I directed a third of the episodes, was Secret Life and Archer Teenager right. with Shailene Woodley. And all the young people, and absolute boy, I was all over them. I was all over. <laughs> take advantage. Of, take advantage of this. You guys got more. You know exactly what Gary, contributed to us. I tried to. I tried to pull it all. With any time I'm with young actors, and because because so many have so many more talents they don't realize they have. You know, they write, they right. direct. They okay. You know, there's all. You know, there's there. There's all sorts of of um, opportunities that maybe they just want. You know, oh, uh, op- you know weren't open to, and I try to open that door for them, so they have a chance to take the opportunity of uh, that, that, that show and continue on after. I,
0: I know you have such a long list of credits, and I won't hold you up, but I was noticing in some of the bios, a lot of shows, a lot of TV stuff that's either sci-fi or fantasy. Was that just the right. luck of the draw? I mean, you're drawn to Star Trek and Hercules and Xena and all these really cool, uh, I'm going to call them geeky shows, <laughs> shows for guys yeah.
1: I have had the opportunity to work in so many genres, but it's very funny. Which, in terms of these big effect shows, I was doing a show in Canada. Actually, it was the only television series Brad Pitt had ever done, mm-hmm. called Glory Days for Fox. Mm-hmm. And I was, and it only lasted, I think, thirteen episodes. I directed two or three of them, but so anyway. But I, you know, I, I had a great time. Got along very well with the creator producer Patrick Hasberg, and he went. And then after the first year of. Sequest, he went and took over the show. And they moved it to Florida. Now, Sequest was Steven Spielberg series. I remember.
0: Roy Scheider. Yeah,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. A, mm-hmm. yeah he did a big show. I mean, like, nothing like nothing I've ever done, right? You know, monsters that didn't exist. People that didn't exist. Blue screen, this screen, that screen, you know, CGI. So anyway, I get a call. Vincent, we'd love for you to come do a Sequest. This is from Pat. Uh, do you uh you, you're good at effects right I go oh yeah sure <laughs> never done it in my life say
0: yes to anything
1: <laughs> hey, whatever I fly back there it's I, I get the script for show. I go oh my god I get back there oh my god the first script is it, it, was, it was like a sinbad man it was like there was a 200 foot alligator mm. that 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 doesn't exist it's all it's all it's it's all you know CGI and effects right? I go. How do you shoot it? So, I'm, so there, so there I am. So there I am, um, trying, acting very professional during the day. Anytime I'm off, I'm calling effects friends. What do I do? What do I do? What do I? I'm literally one step ahead of the game. And I got through the film. I got through the film. I was. I did it right. And I and I, I educated myself on effects. So from that, I got better, 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 better. And I loved it. I just love sci-fi because it was so so much of your imagination, I mean it just gave you a whole other levels of creativity. It was just so challenging and fun. so I became one of the three three directors on this I did like so many of them for the next for the next two years of sequest and from that, getting known, being able to do that platform, you know, I got hired for Star Trek Voyager, then I got hired for Deep Space Nine, then I got hired for Hercules, and I got hired for Xena. so all of a sudden I was able to, I was able to um to uh, direct these you know much more difficult uh, effect shows, which
0: was just a blast. You also returned well back in the '90s, I think, in the happy days mode to a, a little reunion show and all that. Do you still go out and do conventions and things to say hello to the fans of Potsy? Is that still a part of your repertoire?
1: Uh, once in a while, you know. Once in a while, there'll be like a happy days reunion or some, some kind of special thing. That that's a lot of yeah. And I'll, if I can, I'll do them because it's a lot of fun. You know, it's a lot of fun to meet people and. You know, sign pictures and all that. So yeah, not a lot, but but when I can, I should do it. I did one maybe a month ago, right here in um, in California. Uh, they had a big uh, a big uh, a big show, and Donnie Mose and I went, went did it together.
0: You also uh, penned an autobiography, and uh, yeah. I don't have the title in front of me. I'm so sorry, but you you know it obviously because it's yours. Oh, here it is. Was it singing to a bulldog? Was that? Your autobiography. Yep. So I wanted to ask you about the title, "Singing to a Bullfrog." I mean, come on, or a bulldog, rather. What's that all about?
1: <laughs> well, actually, it's it's not. It's it's actually the book is actually a motivational book that pays forward an individual that was so important to my life. I wouldn't we wouldn't be talking today without him. And it just shows you. It, it also shows you. You never know. You never know who your hero is. I was fifteen and a half. I was a lost kid, very harsh upbringing. Uh, always had to work to, to, for anything extra in my life. I was fifteen and a half. I got a job as an assistant janitor, part time while going to high school. My boss was Willie Turner, who was African American, not well educated, a functioning alcoholic, but a prophet. He was the he was the he was the, the individual that helped me find me. He called his janitorial room janitorial room the talk room, <laughs> two big oil drum cans. And and he's the first person to talk to me, not at me. And he helped me find me. By the time I was done with that job, I knew who I was, I knew where I was going, and I knew how to do it. And it was all because of Willie Turner. But he passed away like a couple years later. So I was never able to tell him. So when I had the opportunity to write this book, I thought I wanted to put people in the talk room. I wanted them to have the same conversations with Willie I had for their lives. And I... And, and, of course, I, I would, you know, I, there would be all these stories, you know, getting kidnapped by the president of the United States' daughter,
0: you know, meeting Elvis
1: Presley in a <laughs> Louisiana parking lot. I mean, all these four come stories, but every story had a bigger story that took us back to the talk room that gave the reader inspiration for their lives, and that, that's the reason for the book. Singing the Bulldogs is interesting because, you know, jump the shark is when you're at the top and you start your way down. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: singing the Bulldogs is on your way up, and what happened was, uh, on the show, we didn't make the money actors make now. Not, not you did okay, but you wouldn't get rich doing happiness. But I always looked for opportunity, and I saw that David Cassidy singing did better off the show than on the show. But he sang on the show, and the Parker's family were going all over the world singing. And I thought, if I can convince Grey Marshall to put music on the show, and I can sing, I could get a record contract, I could get concerts, and I could get some money. I can maybe even get a record, you know, and all that. So um, I found Gary early one morning. He was busy. I said, Gary, can I talk to you for a minute? He goes, I'm busy. I said, it'll only take a minute. He says, you got a minute. Walk with me. Walk with me. (laughs) So I had 60 seconds to change my life. I said, Gary, you got girls in the show. You got cars in the show. You need a band in Arnold's. I sing. He goes, you sing? I go, I sing. He goes, a band? Great. I used to be a drummer. I like that. There's a show coming up, Pratt Party. I think I can fit it in. i like, yeah, go talk to Bobby. Pick a song. Are you good? I'm good. Okay. He walks away. I, I change my life in 60 seconds. I'm going to sing on national television. Then I hear in the distance, but you're singing to a bulldog. I go, excuse me? You're singing to a bulldog. I believe you're good. I don't have time to listen. This way, if you're good, I get laughs. If you're bad, I get laughs. You're singing to a bulldog. So there I am, first time on national television, I'm singing, I'm all shook up to a bulldog. <laughs> but he loved it, and that was the beginning of a whole new platform for me. One, I was in charge of the music I did on the show. He let me do more of it. I got a record deal out of it. I started get, a, get getting books in state fairs and amusement parks. I was making $1,200 a week on the show and $17,000 a night singing. All because of, of singing to a bulldog. So that's why, you know, so singing to a bulldog is, 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 climbing, is, is climbing your mountain. So that, I thought it was an apropos title for the book.
0: One more story. I know this is a story I've heard you tell elsewhere, but if you wouldn't mind sharing, the White House story. This is the Ford administration at the peak of Happy Days when you uh, get involved, I'll just use that term loosely, with the daughter of the president. Tell us more.
1: Well, it was, you know, Happy Days is pretty popular. And I, I get a call out of the blue. From my agency, and they say that uh, that Susan Ford requested me to sing "America the Beautiful" at her Azalea Coronation in Virginia, in Virginia, not Virginia Beach. Where was it? Oh my God, I forgot the city, but it's close to Virginia Beach. That's okay. Yeah. And and uh, but anyway, it's this Azalea Festival. Blah blah. So I said, "Oh wow, that's nice." Sure. So so uh, I fly there. And they have a little rehearsal before. So I go do the rehearsal for America the Beautiful. It's, and it's fine. And then they asked me if I wa- I'd like to meet um, Susan. So um, I thought, well, sure, that's why I'm there, you know. So they take me to this other room. And she was there with some, some of her friends. And they introduced me, and she was kind of rude. And I didn't like that. I, I thought, God, I flew all the way over here, and, and this is how I'm treated? So I told the pr- head of the event, I said, if you don't remove me from her table, I'm not singing. <laughs> <laughs> so they put me at another table. So the, the event that night, I sing the song. All oh, great. I, I I don't look at her. I don't talk to her. Toward the end of the uh, toward the end of the, of the dinner, there's dessert and the band starts playing and people are dancing. I, was, I get a tap on the shoulder. It's Susan. Will you please dance with me? These people are bugging the heck out of me. I thought, okay. So we start dancing, and then she apologizes. She said, you know, something was going on. I didn't mean to be rude. She ended up being just a wonderful person. So uh, we have a really nice evening, and uh, a few weeks later, I get invited to the White House along with the whole committee that put together the event as a thank you, and they were having an afternoon tea. So I had to work. I had to do something. So I had to go on a red-eye to get to Washington. So I get to Washington, and then I only have a couple hours to try to rest or whatever before we have to be at this afternoon tea at the White House. So I'm exhausted. I get to the White House. They take us to the East Room. And, you know, it's like a little tea sandwiches and, you know, and tea, you know, iced tea and blah, blah, blah. And there's a staircase in the East Room. And all of a sudden, Betty Ford and her daughter come down. And there's a receiving line, and they're all, you know, they're thanking us for coming. And then Betty Ford comes up to me. And says, oh, I heard you have a beautiful voice. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. She heard, oh, my God. But she, she goes on and then Susan comes up. And I say, you know, nice house you got here. She says, you should see more of it. And she reads. And she, they go on. Then I, I don't see her. Mm-hmm. Now we get, we, get a, um, we get a message that uh, Mrs. Ford has uh, okayed us to have a VIP tour of the White House. which means you get to go to the Lincoln bedroom and all that. Now, I'm exhausted. I'm falling asleep, you know, standing. And we're, going, and we're going to this room, that room, this We end up in the, in the Lincoln bedroom. I'm sitting on Lincoln's chair. I'm exhausted. We get up, we go back down. Now we're going down the hall of presidents and a secret service guy comes up, taps me on the shoulder and said, uh, Mr. Williamson, come with me. Uh, uh, yeah, why? Well, Susan, would like to see you. So they take, there's there's these dividers. They take me around this divider to the famous elevator you hear about. <laughs> That takes you up to the family right, quarters. Right, right. Up we go. Up we go. And now, but the adrenaline's going, now I'm wide awake. Um, takes us around, and we, don't, we We end up in the famous solarium. And there's Susan and Jeans and some Francis, friends. God, I thought you'd be bored. Come on in. So hmm. there was, so all, now, now, back then, there were no cell phones or anything. But there was a phone number. I said, can I call my best friend, Jeff Shredder? I got to tell him where <laughs> I am. She goes, sure. So I'm dialing. Literally, it was a hand. I'm dialing Jeff Shredder, looking at Liberty on the White House lawn. You know, going to mm. say you'll never believe where I'm calling from. Of course, he doesn't answer. There's no answering there. oh, So then she, then she says, "By the way, I'm kidnapping you." I go, "What? I'm kidnapping you? We're going to go see a Harold and the Harold Melbourne and the Blue Notes concert, con, uh, concert at the Meadowlands." I go, "You're not kidnapping me. I'm exhausted." No, I'm kidnapping. You. I said, "I don't. I got to brush my teeth." She goes, "You can use my room. We'll get you." So wow. there I am with a White House, with a White House um, toothbrush and toothpaste, <laughs> and I go, I go into Susan's room. It's, it's a, you know, and by the way, the place it, it's little, it's kind of old and decrepit a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's the good. White
0: House. It's been around for a couple hundred really, years.
1: Yeah, it wasn't like slick, you know. So I go in this bad bathroom, and I, I swear to God, it's like Holiday in White House. It was like, wow, this ain't no big deal. So I'm brushing my teeth with the, you know, anyway, end up getting, uh, getting. uh, kidnapped to the, <laughs> the concert. See, the concert, then I insisted on buying dinner. I think I had $5 in my pocket. I had no money. We ended up at, at Roy Rogers Roast Beef in Georgetown. Oh, whole, perfect. Everybody, and, and you're in a caravan. If you want to talk about intense, you're in a caravan, Secret Service. So then, so I bought her a Coke and, uh, and a Roast Beef sandwich. Oh,
0: well, that's And we all
1: cool. sat down, at, we all sat down at the, uh, you know, had the sandwich, and then they uh, they drove me back to um, my, uh, my hotel, and that
0: was easy. No, not Kidnapped many people. I was going to say, not many people can have a story that has them at the White House being held against their will by a beautiful woman.
1: Yeah, <laughs> really. Yeah, some things I can't talk
0: about. Ah, understood. <laughs> yes. you'd have to kill me. <laughs> no. I know I've heard that story on other interviews. That's why I wanted you to share it with us because it's such a terrific one. And you've got much more, I know, that we could talk about forever and ever. But let's get back to. Uh, really the reason we wanted to have you on, to promote your product, alertdrops.com. It's a natural product that's going to help people with the very severe and important issue of uh, drowsy driving that can affect any one of us at any age. So thank you for uh, for doing what you're doing. And uh, are there any upcoming projects, artistic projects, that you'd like to promote?
1: Well, God, yeah. um, actually, I just got hired. I'm writing a feature screen- screenplay. I can't get too much into it. It has to do with the uh, the father of homeopathy, but it's a it's, it's a really interesting, fascinating story. So I'm deep. I'm not. I'm, ha- I'm deep. I'm deep in the first pass on that. And then we have a pilot we're doing um, for a uh, called Taste of Home, which is based on the popular Taste of Home oh. website. Oh yeah.
0: Oh sure.
1: Yeah, and uh, yeah, and a few other things going on. So uh, and then um, and I'm going to be on. Actually, I'll be in the, I'll be on Megyn Kelly April third promoting Alert Drops.
0: Oh, excellent. Great. Well, you'll get certainly a lot of attention anywhere you go for this because it rings a bell with any one of us. I mean, I've been there and I've driven late and had that feeling and it's a scary feeling indeed. And when it results in tragic loss of life, boy, anything we do to prevent it. So alertdrops.com for Anson Williams product and uh, hey, thanks, man, for joining me and uh, sending us a little bit of information and having a little fun at the same time. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me on because honestly, A life's going to be saved today because you listen to your show, and and I can't do this alone. It's got to be a collaboration, and thank thank you for using your platform to help get the word out to save lives. Really appreciate it.
0: You've been listening to On Mic with me, Jordan Rich, a podcast produced and hosted by Chart Productions on the web at chartproductions.com. This podcast available on Apple, Google+, Stitcher, and all other download platforms. I invite you to rate, review, download, and subscribe to this podcast. And as always, I want to thank you for listening and wish you the very best day. Peace.